0: You are being used by God, and the, I appreciate you, and, and and the Lord values you. We are the salt and the light of this earth. The church is the hope of the world. I just want to say it kind of like this. This might sound kind of weird, but if we weren't here, people would miss out. The very fact that we even exist. You say, but Dave, there's lots of churches. Amen. And we need to be in unity with those churches, pray for them, and bless those churches. You know every time I pass a church, I'm praying blessing and, and, and increase on that church because we want revival, but we need to pray, we need to live, we need to obey God as if we were the only church. And if you are a part of this church, you're part of the ministry of new community. When you help put a chair down or pick it back up again, you if you didn't if we didn't have chairs here we would if we didn't have set up and take down we wouldn't be able to be a benefit. Our very existence is grace to this community, grace to people's lives, and you, we need to hear that, don't we? Everything we do is connected to a soul. Everything we do. Every prayer we pray is powerful. Everything that you do. So if you do refreshments, you help with setup and takedown. Whatever you do, you are a part of something bigger than yourself. Every cent that you give is impacting this community and the nations. It means something. It's meaningful. And it's not in our own human strength. It's in the power of the Spirit. 1 Peter uh, chapter 5 which you'd hope I'd have memorized, but I don't <laughs> really quick here. I just want you to hear this. First Peter five two. shepherd, the flock of God, which is among you serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Those of you who are reaching out, you're ministering, you're pastoring, you're caring, you're shepherding, you're teaching, you're counseling, be faithful. And there is a reward, isn't there? Amen? Can we just, can we just celebrate that and just affirm one another? Let's just clap and just, just celebrate each other. It's been neat in Acts chapter 2, we've been going through Acts chapter 2 and looking at the church as in the book of Acts and we've been what we've been doing is lifting up our values in the vision of this church, values of walking in community, values of 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 of, uh, of uh, uh, being in the Word of God, values of reaching out to this community and being salt and light. And you know, as we've lifted up those values, oh, it's been so exciting. Let me tell you, the the vision of this church it's, it's like it's little by little, just stepping into it more and more. Even just like this couple weeks as we've been in this series on Acts. Uh, And we've been making plans for this for a while, but our outreach is increasing. And we have plans right now to do like an outreach at a laundromat. We're talking about doing servant types of evangelism that just gets into people's world, breaks down those walls where people are just, you know, what are you? What what do you want from me? You know, that kind of wall. We can show them that God's love is absolutely unconditional and grace is free because Jesus paid for it. Well, we're talking Kurt is talking about taking the youth and doing the random acts of kindness. Uh, uh, I've got so many people that have been talking about uh, like a mercy ministry or more of a food pantry. Our soup kitchen has been going. Uh, We're doing good with that. Always get a good opportunity to minister to people through the soup kitchen. But we want to give out food and clothes and stuff. And Nikki Hanks came to me and said, Dave, what you've been saying, that's what's on my heart. And see, what's crazy is if we don't talk about it, it doesn't happen. Is so often people will, will, uh, will say, oh my goodness, I'm so glad you talked to me. Or, or, or they'll say, Dave, I've been meaning to talk to you, but I didn't. And what if we didn't have the conversation? What if Nikki and I didn't have the conversation? But now Nikki's going to like kind of take, take something and run with it and try to yeah, get something off the ground to begin to expand these ministries. You know, we've got, we've got many of you with a passion for marriage, and we've done marriage seminars for the community. We've done a finance seminar for the community. We want to keep doing those things. Um, some of us are going out and doing treasure hunts. We just ask God, tell us where to go, who to talk to and what to say to them. And he does, you know, it's been really neat. And we've been doing some of that. And, and, uh, some have been doing street evangelism. where it's just, just straight up, just going and talking to people, some door to door, just trying to invite people. We've got these newsletters that we're handing out. I want you to understand something that I try to explain to our leaders. And I'm still trying to figure out probably how to communicate it. It's makes sense in my brain, very clear in my head, <laughs> but all these things that I'm kind of describing to you, it's all a part of an integrated plan that I have seen in my heart for years now. And what I'm trying to do is is connect us. These newsletters, servant evangelism, seminars, just you and I going out and just loving on the people we know. It's all part of God's strategy that He's giving to us as a church. And little by little, we're stepping into it. I was talking to Obed the other day, and uh, we're still in the kind of the beginning phases, and say, oh, man, let's start a Spanish service or a group, whatever, you know, let's do something. And he says, thank you. What if I didn't talk to him about that? Thank you. That's what's on my heart. You know, and we're still trying to, you know, figure those kinds of things out. But I use that as illustration to say, it's, ha- it's stirring. It's stirring in your heart. It's stirring in my heart. I- I'm just so excited how the faith and the boldness in my own heart is, 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 is arising and how- what God is doing in our life. Amen. Pretty cool stuff. Can we just, uh, let's go ahead and pass the baskets and do the connect cards and the giving, and let's pray and just respond to the Lord. So, Lord, we thank you for your blessing in our life. Father, I ask that the the giving that's going to be given right now, I ask that you would multiply it for your kingdom. That it would be seed that would be sown and multiply. That if it's one dollar that it would multiply and and reap a harvest of people coming to you. And lives that would be changed Lord. And Father I ask not only would the giving be, be, be blessed for your kingdom. But I ask that you would multiply that blessing for your people. Release jobs in this place. Bring promotions. Bring increase to your people. So that we can give even more. And impact people even more Lord. We thank you for your provision. We thank you for your vision. I thank you for your people who are serving you. And I thank you that you have given us the privilege, the grace to be able to serve this community. And we give ourselves to you for that in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. All right. Turn with me to Joshua chapter 3, 6th book in the Bible in the Old Testament. Joshua chapter 3 verse 5. We're beginning a series this today called Winning the Battle for Purity. Winning the Battle for Purity. And what the Lord is, is calling us to is, to is to prepare our hearts for what He ha- wants to do. Look with me at Joshua 3.5. If you didn't make it there, that's all right. It'll be up here on the string, screen here. I've got to go kind of fast to this stuff. It says here in Joshua 3.5, Sanctify yourselves. Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Sanctify, purify, consecrate, set yourselves apart for the Lord. Why? Because God is going to do something powerful. That is what the Lord is saying to our church. The Lord is saying, I want to pour out my spirit. I want to bring revival. And I'm going to. I'm going to do wonders in new community. I'm going to do wonders through new community that no one has ever seen before. Jesus promised greater works for his church. We embrace that for us. And what the Lord is saying right now, today, in this series that we're going to go through for about six to eight weeks is that it is time to sanctify ourselves, purify ourselves, consecrate ourselves, so that God can have His way. We're like vessels of glory. And we've got to purify ourselves of things that are not Him, so that we can be used for the Master, so we can be useful to Him. And so we're going to head into a series primarily focused on sexual uh, 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 purity, Issues of sex and sexuality. This is not a, uh, a PG series. Okay, so if you have any young kids in here, you probably uh, might not want to. Uh, you might need to go to the the youth class or the kids class. I will try to moderate it, but the reality is, is we have some major problems and some serious issues in our culture, and we're going to address them. The principles that I'm going to give you throughout this series are a surefire strategy for you to walk in freedom. That was a brain freeze. (laughs) But we've got to address the issues. The the principles will apply to other areas of your life, other things that people are going through. But we specifically have to focus on this issue of sexual purity. All right, that's what I wanted to say. So (laughs) this morning I'm going to give more of a topical introduction Normally, we'll go into a specific text of Scripture and see that principle. But this morning, I just need to kind of pour out on you the heart behind this series, the why, the purpose, the goal, kind of dump on you a bit of my own heart as well as just the burden that the Lord has for this, okay? And so, uh, and so we're focused on this thing called winning the battle for purity. Do we have that video clip? <clears throat> Neat one. I like it. Woo, that's moving. All right. I'll keep going. <laughs> awesome. So, what I want to do is, I want to explain to you why this series and why the title, Winning the Battle for Purity. See, I chose that title prayerfully, specifically by the leading of the Spirit. Because this series, number one, there's a, there's a number of things I want to talk to you about. Number one, this series is not about losing. It's about winning. This is about winning the battle for purity, not losing the battle for purity. There's a lot of believers out there and uh, preachers, counselors out there who will talk to you about how to lose. <laughs> no, I'm joking. They will comfort people in their, in their losing. Now, I want to comfort people. Oh, that sounded like some Disney cartoon or something. Uh, the Lord loves you. And there is tremendous amounts of comfort in brokenness. And there is mercy where we fall short. But the Lord does not want to comfort you in your losing. I don't want to come to you. The scriptures don't come to us and say, that's okay if your life's just falling apart. That's okay if you're just losing. That's okay. God knows. God knows. No. God knows how much He loves you. God knows the truth that will set you free. God knows the plan and the purpose that He has for your life. And this Bible, this book, is strategy for freedom. It's not basic instructions before leaving earth. I don't like that phrase. You ever heard that acronym? B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth? This book is basic instructions while living on earth. (laughs) B-I-B-L-O-E. It's a B-I-B-L-E. Okay? This is the Word of God. You need this for your life right now. We're not like in a waiting room, waiting to go to heaven and just, you know, oh, you know, we're just going to have to. T- Do I still have a microphone? On? I, I don't have I it. Hey, it's just, you know, every man's battle, man. Every man's battle. You ever heard that phrase? I hear that a lot because I counsel a lot of guys. Wait, man, I just struggle with every man's battle. As if it's okay. You know, I mean, hey, we're, you know, we're, I'm just human, right? I'm just human. But you know what the scriptures say is that you're not just human. If you're in Christ, you're absolutely forgiven. You're right with God and you're a new creation. And the Bible says you're not just a mere human. The spirit of the living God dwells inside of you. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is in you. And you can be free and you can be whole. And I'm not, I'm going to, hey, I'm going to throw, I'm going to, Jesus loves you so much. There's lots of comfort, but I'm not going to comfort you in the losing. This series is not about losing, but winning. And what the Lord wants to say to us is the title of this of this message today is the losing stops now. The losing mentality, the losing attitude, the losing actions begin to stop. They stop now and we begin on a path, begin and it's a path, but we begin on a path of winning now and today. That is what the Lord is saying. There is hope for you. There is hope grace for you listen to second peter 1 3 throw that up there on the powerpoint listen to this his divine power everyone say power Power. has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness though the knowledge of through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises say promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature say nature Having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. 2 Peter 1.3 says that you have been given divine power. That you have the literally the divine nature inside of you. The very seed of God has been planted in you. And that you have exceedingly great and precious promises. This is your resource. This is your strength. God has given you everything that you need. Promises. Promises in the world. The, the Bible says that it is God's will for your sanctification, 1 Thessalonians 4. It is His will that you be sanctified, free and whole. It means He's on your side. He's for you and not against you. He's fighting for you. He's made promises in the Word of God. And He has given you His power and His nature. <clears throat> as I was preparing for this series, uh, as you probably can guess, mostly from just my passion, I was focused mostly on the strategies, specific, personal, individual strategies for you. I care about you but I could not avoid just getting wrecked by God I started just crying this week partly because I cannot talk about purity without thinking about justice that's a whole nother subject we'll get into that later but I just began to cry and began to pray see the Lord has so much compassion for you I want to I want to talk to to those of you who are here I want to address you. Many of you here have been abused. You've been hurt by sex sins. You've been wronged. And the pain goes deep. And I'm not, I'm not trying to open the wounds. I apologize, but it, we have to talk about it. It hurts. But there is grace for you. There is hope for you. Romans 5, 20 says this, where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. No matter how bad the sin was done to you, no matter how bad you have sinned, some of you have been addicted, bound, for a long time. The the average age now is below 11 years old for for being sexualized, meaning uh, 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 viewing some sort of pornographic material. Below 11. I was probably 5. Some of you have been bound so long, and you love Jesus, and you try so hard, and the trying hard probably actually is the thing that's killing you because you try so hard and I'll never do it again and I promise and I promise and I promise and then you relapse even further. Some of you have been bound so long you have no more hope and I want to say there is grace for you. There is hope for you. Some of you, you have done things that have hurt others. Wicked things. And you know it. And you're hiding it because you would never want to talk about it to anyone. You don't even want to acknowledge it yourself. See, because what happens is the addiction, it just consumes you. This is not something you can play around with. This is something will consume you. Um, so, uh, <clears throat> 90% of people who, who become sex uh, addicts begin with pornography. It's like the gateway. And the same center in your brain that is touched uh, the same the same part of your brain that is activated when when you're like doing cocaine that same center is activated through things like through sex sins through pornography and things like that and so what happens is the moment you begin to step into this the kind of thing okay and this is demonically empowered but just even from a physical standpoint a chemical standpoint the moment you step into it you become addicted that's why those images burn in you and stay there for a long time okay and and and, and it, it causes a high in you, and that's why you got to keep going back to it. It literally is a chemical high, like cocaine. Okay, it's similar, similar, similar dynamic. And so what happens is you've got to keep going back for more, and more and more. But then the next phase is you've got to detach yourself from that act, especially as believers, right? Because there's even as everyone you you can't be two people you you literally go insane, so you've got to somehow in your mind like detach from it, make excuses often, and it be, creates a cycle one like a doctor and Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, some people sometimes you can see it very very clearly like in the home I mean just full on Dr and Jekyll and Mr. Hyde over here in, in the home. And the more and more it just, it just gets to suck you in, oftentimes people act out. This thing will consume you. And some of you have gone down that road. You've looked at things or you have done things that you think that evil people, only evil people do. And now all of a sudden now you're in that category of people. Well, yeah, that was very hurtful that you did that. There needs to be healing and repentance. But I want to say to you, there is grace for you. There is healing for you. Where sin abounds, grace more. So no matter how bad you were hurt, no matter how deep the sin, grace is bigger, isn't it? John 8, this woman is dragged to G- before Jesus. She's caught in the very act of adultery. Interesting that we're told that in the text, isn't it? The very act of adultery. Can you imagine the shame? Where's the guy? Can you imagine the betrayal? We don't know why she did what she did. Why she broke the covenant, a covenant with God. Why she's sleeping with a married man. We don't know where the guy is though either. We don't know what kind of codependent issues are in her life. What kind of hurt is in her life. But but just imagine. You are dragged before the public in broad daylight. Your, your sin is now exposed to everyone. And can you imagine the fear when you hear the phrase, The law of Moses says to stone someone who does this. Think of the feeling of betrayal. The anger at the religious community. The shame. The fear that you would feel. And they do this to test Jesus. And they say, Jesus, uh, you know, the law of Moses says to stone such as someone who does this. So what, what do you say? And Jesus stoop, stoops down and writes in the dirt. And he says, he who has never sinned, he was not sinned, cast the first stone. And one by one, they all leave. Except for one. Except for one who has never sinned except for one who has the right to judge or to justify. Jesus Christ, who is Lord. And Jesus and the woman are the only ones left. And Jesus stands up and kind of looks around. Oh, it's you and me. And he says, woman, where are your accusers? Have they not condemned you? And she says, no, no one. And the only one who could judge her, the only one who has the right to judge her, Because he's Lord, says, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Now, go and sin no more, is that a command or a promise? It's both. Because Jesus is grace himself. He is the fullness of grace and truth. And when Jesus speaks, he creates. He spoke the world into existence. And when Jesus says something, he empowers you to do it. Grace empowers you to obey. And when he said, you are not condemned, he set her free. Forgiveness is the power for freedom. And he broke that shame and he broke that condemnation off of her heart. And in the declaration, go and sin no more, it was not, oh, you're forgiven, now you earn it. It was, you're forgiven, and now you're empowered. There is grace for you. There is freedom for you. There is hope for you. And that is what this series is about. It's not about losing. It's about winning. Number two, really quickly, we are not going to over or under emphasize the battle. Winning the battle for purity. The battle. It's a real deal. This is not T-ball. This is not practice. This is not a video game. This is war. Our culture is not getting bad. It's already bad. If we were to see in the spiritual realm right now, we'd probably see men and women bleeding, wounded, hurting, alone. And we would see the bullets just flying all over the place. This is not practice. Many of you it's like, we're, it's, like, it's like we're in an electric storm. Everything is supercharged, and everything you touch, it's like, shock, you get shocked. Everywhere you drive, everything you look at, the conversations you hear, it's just bombarding us. This has always been that way, because it's a demonic agenda to attack our sexuality, to attack marriage, the family, and to destroy society. It is it is a demonic strategy. It's right from the bed of hell. But it's gotten worse, hasn't it? Technology is simply making the addiction more accessible and more in, intense. <clears throat> the pornography industry it makes billions, more than all the sports franchises combined. Internet pornography is just increasing at an alarming rate. And what happens is people, this this, this is not a bunch of kids sitting behind the market looking at a lingerie magazine. This is hardcore. And what happens is because of Internet pornography, people will literally go from not addicted to seriously bound in in, in, in weeks or months. It's like it's like we're skipping. Okay, let me do it this way. Like how marijuana is a gateway drug, okay? And you just got to keep doing the high, and sooner or later it's going to lead to like cocaine, heroin, things, uh, heroin, heroin, heroin. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's a new one. <laughs> it's like skipping the marijuana phase and going right to heroin. Heroin is, is is absolutely an insane. Uh, uh, we we'll, won't we'll go into that. This it's it, it's a war out there, so we are not going to underemphasize the battle. It's serious, but we are not going to overemphasize the battle. We're not going to be like, oh, I can never be free. The giants are too big. Oh, this culture is too messed up. Oh, every man's battle. We're not going to talk like that. Why? Because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. I hate talking about. You know, the devil has a plan for your life. I don't really care what the devil's plan for my life is. God has a plan for my life, and his promises are sure. Oh, we can't go into the promised land because there's giants in the land. I'm going into the promised land. Oh, don't, don't, don't quote Psalm 91, Jen, because, because it says, No harm will befall you. Don't say that because you never know what will happen. The devil will backlash. We're going to say it because that's what the Bible says. And declare it over our lives and say, The Lord is my refuge. And we're going to believe him, and we're going to obey him. And because of that, we're going to get free. <clears throat> Number three, we're not going to talk just about the don'ts. We're not going to talk about not losing. See, not only are we going, not going to talk about losing, we're not going to talk only about not losing. I'll explain that in a second. We're going to talk about winning, about scoring. See, there's a lot of people who will talk to us about not losing. It usually is is where uh, uh, you know we think of holiness preachers. You know we love holiness. I love holiness preachers, but so often holiness has been thought of as a negative thing. Don't do this. Don't do that. Lots of rules. Lots of regulations and things like that. Well, let me tell you something. Uh, there's lots of things not to do. <laughs> Those are good things. Listen to Second uh, Timothy two twenty two. It says, "Flee." Useful, use, uh, I'm sorry, flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. See, there is something to flee. There are things to say no to, and you're going to need to learn those strategies. I call them defensive strategies. We're going to talk about that. We'll talk about the don'ts. We'll talk about making sure the enemy doesn't score some points on you. That's important, isn't it, in a game? We need defense To ensure that the enemy does not score, or I'm sorry, the opposing team does not score on us. Keep the, right? But what is the best defense? A great offense. Wouldn't it be hilarious if two basketball teams stood guarding their basket and that's all they did? No one would watch. Right? It would be boring and pointless. And and no one would ever score. Why? Because no one would ever attack. Attack the opposing team. We're not going to talk about just not losing. We will talk about defensive strategies, about fleeing. But we will mostly talk about pursuing. What to pursue. We will talk about offensive strategies. We'll talk about breaking the root issues in our life. So that we don't just stop the behavior. But we actually get whole. The goal of a game is not to not lose. It's not to, or it's not to not let the other person. Score, it's to score. It's to win. I always find it kind of funny that a lot of times when I counsel guys uh, about purity, you know, they say uh, they say like oh, I lost. You know, I don't know what it is about guys. They always got to talk in terms of sports, right? Uh, uh, you know, man, these preachers. I always use in sports illustrations. No, okay. So, uh, um, and these guys will say like I messed up or I lost. Isn't it interesting that guys would say that? I lost, right? The enemy scored on me. I, I let my defenses down. But isn't it also interesting that in the world, usually in a very impure sense, men will also use the word score. And isn't it kind of interesting that men, uh, Christians usually talk about not losing? We talk an awful lot about losing, don't we? You can see how I feel about that. We don't talk a lot about winning, And so in the world, you have this concept, right? Hey, did you score with her? Hey, man, what baits did you get to? And I want to tell you something, kind of playing on the word. I'm going to talk to you about how to score. I'm not just going to talk to you about how to not lose. I'm going to talk to you about winning, how to score. Because God created sex, and it's good. He made it good. And he made it. It's one of the most powerful, beautiful things in creation. Our sexuality is at the core of our identity. Sex is at the heart of marriage. But here's the funny thing. Sex is not about the act. It's about relationship. See, our culture has just, I mean, these two concepts have been completely severed. Over here, most people, when you use the word sex or intimacy, they're thinking physical immediately. They're thinking selfishness, instant gratification. But when I think about it, it's all about relationship. It's all about intimacy. The Lord wants you to score. The Lord wants you to have joy and intimacy in your marriage. He wants you to be a healthy, whole, connected, integrated person. He wants you to score. See, sex is so powerful, it literally has the ability to bring healing to a society, to bring unity to a family, or to destroy it. Listen to this study by Dr. Irwin, or Unwin, I think. <clears throat> I always forget how to pronounce his name. He did, a, he did research of 86 societies throughout history. 86 societies throughout history. And listen to what he says. There is no instance, no instance, of society retaining its energy after a complete new generation has inherited a tradition which does not insist on prenuptial and postnuptial continents. No society. Let me say it this way. When a society ditches, Those prudish, religious rules, they fall. Rome, superpower of the world, they did not fall apart because of barbarian hordes. They crumbled from the inside out. Their own historians say that. Historians over the last 2,000 years, or, or a little bit less than 2,000 years, have said the same thing. He's researched 86 societies throughout history. The evidence is absolutely clear. The moment you begin to have a society which the values are not according to God's word, especially in this area of sexuality, the nation crumbles from the inside out. Why? Because sex is so at the core of family, of society. Divorce, abortion, abuse. It's destroying our nation. And it's all related to this issue of sexuality. It's that important. See, sex is like, um, uh, let's just say this: when I drive my car, I'm responsible. I know the laws. I'm safe. I use my car for what it's supposed to be for. But if I put my son, who's three years old, behind the wheel of the car, probably wouldn't reach the wouldn't reach the pedals. He would kill somebody. See. Sex, in its original context, is powerful to bring life, unity, wholeness to a society. Sex, taken out of the context of a covenant, the covenant of marriage, a monogamous relationship, one person for life. Sex, in the hands of a drunkard, an irresponsible person, will kill, will destroy. See, a gun in the hand of a police officer will protect. The gun in the hand of somebody else? Kill. That is why many of you, when I say the word sex, you think dirty, you think hurt, you think pain. Why? Because sex is so powerful that for those of you who have been wronged, it has really hurt you. It has warped your sense of love and identity. And it needs to be repaired. That's why I have to bring it up. Because the Lord can and will repair it. That's how crucial this issue is. If we lose, we're talking about the destruction of our own self. The destruction of shame and condemnation. We're talking about the destruction of our families and our society. That's how serious this is. What we're missing out is intimacy with God. Matthew 5, Matthew 5 says, the pure in heart will see God. 2 Timothy says that we're to be these vessels set apart for God's use. See, impurity, sexual immorality will take us out of the purpose and the calling of God. It will will hinder what God wants to do in our life. It will take us out of intimacy with God. It will detach us from other people. And it will bring destruction. That's what we're missing out of. But what does scoring mean? What What does getting to home plate mean? You know what it means? It's so what I said before. It means fulfilling your calling. It means being a healthy whole person. It means intimacy and joy in your marriage. It means passing on a blessing and not a curse to the next generation. It means healing this culture. It means justice for the nations. There's a reason why there are 27 million human slaves today around the world. And most of those children and women in sex slave industries... There's a reason why sex slavery is in every nation on the face of this earth. And it's happening here. Right here. There's a reason why, listen to me, there's a reason why 25 to 35% of women are abused before they are adults. Do, do you hear? One out of four to one out of three women abused before they're adults. And I tell you, I don't have proof, but I guarantee you'll find this statistic very soon. It's increasing. I guarantee you cannot flood a nation with the kind of pornography, violent, wicked pornography, and not think that it's not going to manifest. One out of three? Do you hear what I'm saying? And that's not even talking about the boys. <clears throat> There's a tension in my heart. I don't want to focus on the bad things. We've got to talk about it. There is no greater warning in Scripture than against these issues. That's why Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. The Bible says God hates divorce. Why? It's not because He's some meanie. It's because He knows. He knows how destructive this is. But He also knows the potential for purity. And that is why we're not going to talk just about losing or not losing. We're going to talk about the potential for purity. We're going to talk not about just stopping behaviors and looking good on the outside so we can be nice religious people. We're going to talk about wholeness, which brings me to, I want to just jump to point five. This is not just about a fast and easy plan. This is not something, though I'm going to go through principles that I guarantee are absolute rock solid principles in six to eight weeks. This is something that will not be able to be accomplished fast and easy. See, because purity is not about stopping the behavior, but about wholeness in your life, listen to me, it will probably take, for most of you here, three to five years. Say, oh, Dave, that doesn't sound like much faith. No, I'm not talking about God not setting you free miraculously. I'm not talking to you about the fact that it's not going to be by the miracle grace of God every step of the way. I'm talking to you about the fact that this is not just about stopping a habit. This is about deep healing of washing our mind of wrong ways of thinking, of changing the way we approach relationship, our spouses, we relate to one another, this is a big, bigger deal than you realize. And the addictions that you have are much bigger than you realize. Oh yeah, sure, we could probably see those behaviors broken off quicker than that. And I'm not saying that we, we, we're going to lose all the way along the way. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the fact that people fall back down. People relapse. The church hates that, right? What do you do with somebody who fails? Well, let me tell you something. You found a safe place here because we all know what it's like to fall, to relapse. We're all hurting broken people on the journey towards wholeness. And you're loved and accepted and it's safe here. But let me tell you, this is not microwave Christianity. Nothing comes easy, good in life comes easy. What we'll need is a long obedience in the same direction, what one author calls a long obedience in the same direction. Do you win a football game by getting one completion? No, you win a football game by getting completion after completion, first down after first down, and touchdown after touchdown. Is it okay just to win the first quarter? No. What if you're down in the half? Many of you are down at halftime. You are just... Can I ever win? Can I ever come back? We're down at halftime. There's no hope. There is hope. you still got a half of the game to play. It's not who wins the first five minutes of the game, is it? It's the one who will go long obedience in the same direction, who will keep fighting, who will not give up, who will keep praying, who will keep doing it. That is one of the reasons we do a Discipleship Program, because you got to get the principles in your life. You're not going to feel your way to freedom. You're going to do your way to freedom. But just because you get the habits in your life, even just because you, I didn't look at pornography this week. Dave, Dave, there's a miracle. I didn't do it. They come to me and I'd say, you know what? Praise God. That's the miracle grace of God in your life. Now you got to do that (laughs) for a long period of time. And while you're walking that out in the word, in community, applying the principles of God in your life, you will continually get healed and free. And it will take you time. See, if somebody came to me next week after next Sunday or this Sunday and said, Dave, I tried to do what you did, but I fell back down again. I'm done. I'd say, long obedience in the same direction, brother. And then another guy comes and says, I'm free. I haven't done it for five days. You know, I love it when No, I don't like this. People go, um, this is the people who are still in denial. Oh, yeah, I used to have that problem. Oh, well, how long? How long have you been free, brother? Well, last week I dealt with that. I said, I'm sorry, God, and you know, stop doing that. All right. Huh? See, I'm not religiously dumb, okay? And if somebody came to me and celebrated that, hey, I've been free for a week, I'd say, praise God. I would not put you down or anything. But I know what needs to happen. I know that if you don't deal with those root issues in your life, it will be like a lodestone. It will draw you back. And worse than ever. Worse than before, I mean. So, we've got to deal with this and we've got to deal with it effectively. Point four says here this game is not fought alone, but together. It'd be silly to go out on a football field all by yourself, wouldn't it? Against all these other guys. You can't do this alone. It's impossible. Remember, two weeks ago, I mentioned Acts 2 and I said the community of believers, not just going to church, but being the church. Sharing our lives together. I said, that is the vehicle for transformation. It will get you from here to there. You can't do this alone. Because you will fall down. Because we've got to relearn our family. That's what the church is, right? A family. Most of us who are dealing with deep addictions, it's rooted in a fatherlessness and abuse and the brokenness of our culture. We've got to relearn family altogether. And you can only do that With the community, with family. You're not going to win by yourself. I'm going to teach you how to apply principles that are going to help you to win and overcome the battle. That is a real battle. And I'm going to give you principles from the scriptures that will teach you not just about not losing, but scoring. But it won't be fast and easy, and it won't be alone. And the greatest advice I can give anyone, and I do all the time, is just stay on the train. Don't get off the train. Keep doing what God said to do, Stay in community. Keep at it. And the Lord will work miracles in our life. Jesus said that the only people who bear fruit are those who have a good and noble heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. So you've got thorns in your life. You've got rocks in your life. And we've got to get that stuff out. But if you're going to bear fruit, get victory in your life, bring glory to God, it will be because you are hearing God and you are holding on tight and you are by persevering bearing that fruit. That is the only way. Let me just end with this. uh... Are we ready for that video clip? Just end with that final illustration. Yeah, why don't we show that video clip here. Maybe not. All right. Well, maybe not. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Final illustration. You guys ever seen the movie Invincible, right? It's a good movie. A uh, good, decent family movie, actually. So uh, I can actually recommend that one. Um, in the movie Invincible, Dick for Meal takes on the Philadelphia Eagles in the season of 76-77. This team that was a winning team over the years had become a losing team. They had become demoralized. They had lost their work ethic, they had lost that unity, you know, you start fighting each other when you're when you're losing. Dick Vermeil was invited to be the coach, and he had the weight of responsibility of taking a losing team and causing them to be a winning team. And the clip I was going to show you is his first speech at the opening day of their training camp. And he starts it like this. He says, losing or lose. It's the last time you're going to hear me use that word. And he says, we are, we are no longer going to lose. But now we are starting on a path of winning. That clip just caught the, the essence of what I wanted to communicate to you today. And he just, he just challenges them and calls them and says, we're going to have to work harder than we've ever worked. We have to relearn things. And the cool thing is, is you know, the first season they didn't do all that great. But four seasons later, four, 1981, Dick Vermeil led the Philadelphia Eagles to a Super Bowl championship. Four seasons. Because that's what it takes to rebuild a team and to take a losing team to be a winning team. They couldn't do it alone. It wasn't quick and easy. But the great thing is, we're not talking about football, are we? We're talking about the Word of God. God has made promises to you. He has empowered you. And the losing stops now. We are on a path of winning. If you will Do this, these principles that we're going to talk about. You will get free. Because it's not just nice little wisdom. I'm not just some counselor who read some psychological principles in a book. I'm not just giving you my opinion or wishful thinking. God has promised in His Word. And there is power in the Word of God. There is grace for you. There is hope for you. And the Lord will heal you. And he will free you. And he will bring you into the calling of God for your life. No more shame. I don't do shame. You are forgiven if you are in Christ. If you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord, you can do that today. Every sin washed and all the power you need to not just get sexually pure. But to become a whole person. We will partner with you today if you have not accepted Jesus. We will lead you into that process today. But if you are in Christ, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When people come to me, we'll talk about that later. Many of you probably have heard me say this before, but the Lord has freed me from what I'm talking to you about. And I've only given you little glimpses here and there of my story. But the Lord has freed me and purified my heart. When I was a new believer. I knew that God loved me and I was righteous in Christ. I would beat myself up though too. I did the condemnation thing. Never worked. But the Lord would speak to me from his word. And give me the strategy for freedom. And I would do it. Kind of. And little by little I began to get free. In fact. I'd probably mention it to you this way. About nine months after I was a believer, I just walked right out of that addiction. I don't mean that it, that it was, oh, that was so easy. What I mean is I was doing the stuff, focused on the Lord, and it just got to a tipping point. And I walked free. I just walked out free. But here's, I don't think, what I've talked about yet. Yeah, nine months to break behaviors. Nine months to where I became addicted to Jesus instead of some other things. I began to look to Him to meet that need. I began to get self-control in my life and accountability in my life. Nine months I walked out of that bondage. But years of growing into purity. Years of learning to become a whole person. Because if I didn't deal with those root issues, like a lodestone, it'd draw me back. And it has at times. I've known defeat. I've known condemnation. I've known what not to do. And I've known whenever I've done the word, it works. I remember when I was 18, crying out to God. God, teach me how to love my wife. I hadn't even met Michelle. Didn't know on a date at the time. I didn't get married until, I don't know, 22, 23? 22 maybe. I don't, I don't remember how old I was. <laughs> 23 probably, yeah. Why was I praying that at 18? Because I knew this is much bigger than just not sinning. This is about becoming a whole person. And what's great is I continue to grow deeper and deeper into the pleasures of God. There are so much pleasure in God. But you got to look to him. And my marriage continues to get better and better and better because we work at it and because God's fixing me. Uh, (laughs) Because God's dealing with me on stuff. And it gets better because it's the friendship that gets better. And it gets sweeter. I'm not saying I'm perfect. And I'm not saying I still don't need to get whole. And I'm not saying that I don't need to fight like other people. I'm not saying that I don't need to still deal with stuff. I'm not saying that at all. But I have experienced getting free. And that increasing blessing of purity, it just gets better and better. And see, if I'm not pressing for more, then I'm setting myself up for failure. We've got to flee and we've got to pursue. Let's stand and pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Why don't we just take a moment to respond to God. After we pray, we're going to have prayer teams here. If you need prayer for anything, physical healing, breakthrough in your life, If you come up for prayer, no one is assuming you're coming up regarding this particular message. There's like 20 things you could come up for prayer for. Yeah? No judging. And the prayer teams keep things private. They don't even tell me ever. makes me kind of frustrated. No. (laughs) Oh, I just want to hear the testimonies, that's all. They tell me good stuff, but they keep things private. We pray in groups of two or three. We'll have prayer teams. We'll also come into a time of worship so that you can just engage with God. But after we're done praying, you're free to go, hang out. But before we go, let's respond to God. Amen? So close your eyes. And just begin to talk to the Lord and accept His forgiveness. Just muttering underneath your breath, just Lord, thank you for the cross. Just tell him, Jesus, thank you for your forgiveness. Sin no longer has a hold on me. Death no longer has a hold on me. I am free in Jesus. Just begin to tell the Lord. You may not believe what you're saying, but just say it. Just tell the Lord, I receive your forgiveness. I receive your grace. I receive you, Lord. But now even just begin to tell to him, Lord, I confess this sin to you. I throw it at your feet. I renounce it right now in Jesus' name. Just tell him, Lord, take it away. I don't want any I repent. I have done these things. I take it away. I mean, I, I just give it to you. Take it away. And just begin to tell the Lord, you are my master. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. I will follow you. Teach me how to walk in purity. Give me a hatred for sin and a love for righteousness. Give me your heart. Just begin to ask God, change me from the inside out. Make me a whole person. Say, Father, I open my heart. Just you and God. Just tell Him in your own words. Father, open my heart to the wisdom of your word. I'm going to believe you and I'm going to obey you. Father, give me hope once again. If you've been abused, just receive the healing of God. Just say, Daddy, come, love me. Show me what a good dad you are. You're not like those people just release the love of God, Father. Release, His, release your love right now. Release the healing grace of God. Release your, your, your healing right now in this place. And Lord, I pray that this week you would be ever-present, Lord, on the minds and the hearts of your people, that they would know that you love them, they would know that you're there with them, that they would know that whether they rise or fall, you love them, and your way is the right way. And the Scriptures say you will know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Everyone say amen. amen. All right. Well, prayer teams, come on up, and worship team, take us in. If you got to go, go. But if you'd like to stay with the Lord, please do that.